0: you with loving kindness and compassion, satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord said to Israel to say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What would a profit a man if he gained the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? The Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father and will reward everyone according to their deeds. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him, and apart from him nothing came into being. And he was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it. Well, we want to go to the Lord to pray. Let's seek Him and seek His presence. And we're going to look to the Spirit of God to open our eyes to see wonderful things from His law. And I think we might want to bring this into our prayers. This is from in Nepal, just north of India. It's in February of this year. New converts driven from their homes. Anu Dani earned money by predicting a people's future as a seer. When her young daughter grew very ill <clears throat> and no other efforts healed her, she took the girl to a Christian church. The pastor prayed. Her daughter was healed. And Anu immediately put her faith in Christ Turning away from her occult practices Anu's husband, Prakash Suffered from mental illness and tried to kill the pastor But was eventually healed by prayer And then became a believer When Prakash's family found out about their conversion The couple were forced out of their family home The young family stayed temporarily in the church building but want to build a small home where they can continue to follow Jesus. Anu and Pakesh were both baptized in August. Well, let's pray together. Oh, our Lord and our God, we come to you with thanksgiving for your loving sovereignty. Lord, sovereignty over storms, rain, thunder, lightning, the thunder, Lord. Oh, speaks of your voice. Lightning. Oh, that your judgment can come, when will come, and the rain, softening the ground, bringing forth the flowers and the grass and crops. We think of your word, Lord, as it falls upon our hearts. Take, take it by the Holy Spirit and may it yield an abundance in our life in transformation for your glory. We ask that, please, that you will... In this time of sorrow, though, Lord, we we don't know many of the people in Mississippi who've gone through these horrific tornadoes, and even in our own area, who knows what occurred last night. Oh, we pray that your churches, your people will be brought forward, bring them forward to help and to demonstrate Christ in the midst of this broken world. And Father, we thank you for that uh, reminder last night. Zach and Emily, now husband and wife, oh, I pray that their lives together will be powerful in witness for Jesus Christ. Exalt his name through them. And for all those Wallace boys now, every one of them married. As far as we know, Lord, all married to Christian young ladies. That's a blessing. Thank you, Lord. And thank you for Rob and Stacy's faithfulness, living before them, bringing them up in your ways. May these sons now be strong men of God, leading their families for your glory. Now again, we ask, Lord, that as we look into your word, that we'll be very careful and see what you want us to see. In Christ's name, amen. Follow with me now. I'm going to do some scripture reading, and you won't be able to turn to just one passage but I have a string, and a string of pearls, and just listen carefully, and by the way, if you are a guest with us, or you're not familiar with what's provided, we do have the outline that's provided for you in the bulletin, so uh, that's, uh, we're just going to uh, do it the old-fashioned way, and there'll be no PowerPoint, but but you have the outline, and if you have enough room to use that, that's For your convenience. Now, hear the Word of God. I'm reading in Ephesians 1 18 and 19. Uh, It's familiarized us with these prayers in Ephesians 1 and 3. This is part of that first prayer in Ephesians. Listen to this. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. We're going to let that verse explode a little bit later, but let's go on to some others on the string of pearls. And I'll give you a little challenge just make sure you're paying attention. See if you can see some connection in these verses. I have so put them here with some connection with what we're going to be seeing in Romans 12, 12 and 13, Psalm 23, 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs, overflows. First Peter 4, 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hebrews 13, one to 3. Let, be, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. 1 Corinthians 12:25. That there may be no division in one in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Matthew 10, 40. Whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. Matthew in 25 and 40. And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. 1 Timothy 3, 2. Therefore, an overseer, must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Okay, well, I'll, I'll leave the work of tying those together, that you will tie those together as we go through our passage this morning in Romans 12 and verses 12 and 13. Not many verses, but uh, it's kind of a corporate cornucopia of some very important truth, and I'll show you how it is. It is connected. Where I would like to begin is to ask you a question: uh, How are your eyes? How are your eyes? Now, well, for some of us, that's a very important question, <laughs> and we could bore you with an answer. And uh, you've been to our doctors. You know how it works. Uh, some of us go more often than we used to and almost memorize the eye chart. <laughs> and it's, it's quite an experience. Of course, you start out with the big letters and then you get down to those that look like ants. And uh, you work through it. And uh, I won't go into all the dynamics that go into, into eyes and so forth, but you know one of your greatest, your best friends for aging eyes? Well, for any eyes, but especially for aging eyes, It's L-I-G-H-T, light. What does it ever do wonders? I sat in my study this morning and just counted my light sources in my little study. I have 12 light sources in my little study. Thank you, Lord, for artificial light. It makes a big difference. But did you hear the passage in Ephesians 1 and 18 where Paul prays for the Ephesians? You know one of the the things that he prays for? In in this passage, First prayer that he does, the two of them in Ephesians. He prays that the eyes of their heart will be enlightened. How so? Well, he says, there will occur as you ask God. By the way, the flow of that passage is that it just, there is truth. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him, and on and on it goes. Mentioning election and redemption and the inheritance that we have of the saints and the sealing work of the Holy Spirit. And it just cascades on down. And then Paul says in verse 15, for this reason, because of all these blessings you have got, you have in Christ. And then he comes in and he says, I pray for you that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. What he wants them to see, and he goes on to mention three things. This isn't the sermon, but you need to know this to get us into the passage. That three things. First of all, hope. Oh, Lord, enable us to see with the eyes of our mind, the, the mind, eyes of the mind, the eyes of the mind will see that, that the hope that's set up for us in Christ Jesus, the enormity of it and how it should impact our lives. We're going somewhere. I don't fret about climate change. we all, see, in the newspaper every day, says, well, we're going to die, we're going to die. We're going to burn up. We're going to to be flooded or whatever. Oh, you know what? Paul prayed that the eyes of our heart will be enlightened to see way down into the future and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Let that be your dominating thought with regard to the future. Hope and all of its ramifications, how it would make you live and sort out your values and so on. And then he says also, he's praying, that you will be able to appreciate and see the magnificent of the riches that you have in your inheritance in Christ. Did you know you're an heir, a fellow heir with Christ? That's huge, because that means everything that Christ has accomplished in his redemptive work and his glorified body and his resurrection, that is yours in Christ, in terms of a resurrection body and all that goes with it. In the kingdom, serving along with Christ, and that grand, lifelong, eternal reunion of all loved ones who died in Christ and with them, that's part of your inheritance in Christ. And then another thing that he prays, that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, that you'll see the power, the power that he just loads it down with words for power, the words used there, dunamis, that enabling work of the Holy Spirit to transform lives. Pray, you know, this is a good way to, I found myself so caught up in it, I was just praying for everybody on my prayer list with those, Lord, that they will see what your power can do to change their own lives, their perspective, their values, their judgments, their on, 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 on. All right, now, moving from there, look with me in verse 12 of Romans 12. And what do you see? He says, devoted to prayer. What is involved here? As we come, step into this eyes, the eyes of love, I I present this as putting our toes in the edge of the ocean. He says, essentially, love does not turn its back on prayer. This is part of the eyes of the heart. What? That you will be devoted to prayer. See its importance. Don't treat it skimpily. Stay in the habit of prayer. Interesting word that he uses there. I want to call attention to it. You'll notice that he says that you will um, be devoted to. Actually, that's kind of a wimpy word here. Uh, This word is more like be strong toward. It's a combination of two words. Strength, and then there's a little preposition on the front. It's a compound word. To be strong toward. That means you are after it. You do the work. Like I see the guys in the gym. Oh, those muscled up guys with all that weight. Be strong to do it. Uh, uh. And they're going to hear the weights dropping on the floor. Boom. Well, Paul's using a word like that, but for what? Prayer. Now, what's that mean? What he means by this is that you'll stay with it, be involved with it, and that the involvement in your prayer is to go like this that it is going to have the effect of uh, habitual praying, that you uh, develop a habit of prayer, discipline in your prayer life, like eating, sleeping, exercise. And not one of these say-a-prayer kind of person. You ever, could you say a prayer for us? (laughs) Oh, come on. we get a little bit more robust than that? Let it come out of a prayer life not just some memorized little thing we might say before we, Lord, thank you for this food, and let's eat. Uh, no, 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 not that, not that, not that. And the, So he's saying then, therefore, to stay in the habit of prayer. Now, this also recognizes that there is pushback. If you've got to stay strong to prayer, then what will that might tell you? Are there things that could keep you from staying strong toward prayer? I understand that one do you what it means to persevere stay with it because prayer is not easy it's not for sissies you've got to. well i'll tell you what gets in the way and we have to work through it in one way or another our physical condition can hinder our prayer life tired sleep problems happens that's human that's what it means to be human so you have to get creative I can't stay on this. It's not a sermon just on this devoted to prayer, but you just learn, you get creative. You say, okay, I, I, you learn a few tricks and so that you keep your prayer life working and not just dying on the vine because of physical, your physical condition. And, and, and you know, you, you, you trust the Lord in these things. I'll pause just brief. It's a thought that popped in my mind. I have to be careful with these things. Um, but my, I had a good friend who died, he, he died with cancer some seven, eight years ago. And I remember his his dying days, and he told me one of the things that was so difficult for him as he knew he was dying was that he couldn't pray like he wanted to. He'd been used to praying. He was a pastor, retired pastor. He'd been praying for his people, and it really, it frustrated him that he couldn't he just uh, the, the mind just wasn't as, as active and nimble as it had been. You know, the Lord knows that. But notice, don't, don't make that an excuse for whatever weariness and difficulties we have. All right, quickly to say this. The circumstances of life can really uh, can conspire against us. Like work, um, trips, family, computers, internet. I don't know, this is a fresh set of temptations here, I can tell you that. I confess, I'd like to see what email I got coming in. I have a text, or I go to Weatherbug. I, I, you know, they, oh, good night, you look at those apps on there, you took about toys in a playroom. Lord, I need help. I, before you know it, you've, you've gone to Facebook and you spend, you look, 15 minutes. Well, I've got to cut my prayer short now, I've got Lord forgive me, help me. Was, see, what we have to overcome, be strong toward prayer. And then, of course, we could have the wrong attitude. We think, uh, we don't, may not think we really need the Lord's help. We can work through a lot of things unless we get to something that's really, really, really big. No, no, I hope this is no place for doubts about God's character. we got to watch the wandering mind. But that's enough to set us up, all right? I hope that tees us up. i It should, because Paul has designed it for such. If now, you'll just look at what he's going to go to say in the next verse. Because from this point on, he indicates to us that there is to be what? Distributing to the needs of the saints. Now, I want to give you just a little bit of a mental exercise to get you into this a little more deeply. Look at the language there. I'm looking at a New American Standard translation of verse 13. It says, contributing to the needs of the saints. Okay, but let's, look, the, the word contributing here is really the word koinoneo. It's our know, word fellowship. So it's carrying some special weight. It's contributed to the, to the needs of the saints. Uh, we we are to identify ourselves with the needs of others. If you will look from verse 9 on down where Paul's been speaking in these terms of how love is to manifest itself, and he's just mentioned that we're persevering, persevering in tribulation and difficulties and devoted to prayer. All right, let's keep moving. There is these are not random thoughts. They're connected. One flows into the other. And we are to identify ourselves by with the the needs of others think about the needs of other people and that what we do is that there is a fellowship we are united in christ together we have a bond we have a lot of our spiritual dna connects us so this is why he's bringing this up this fellowshipping share with god's people who are in need um I won't try to unpack any other those other two words there, important needs and saints. But let's go to that next statement. Practicing hospitality. We're just ready to dive into that one. Practicing hospitality. Well, that's a little lame, actually. I'm looking at the word in the original and this word for practicing. Uh, the, the, the word that's used here is a word to means to, pers- to pursue. It's a strong word, and he's saying there is to be this, this passionate, aggressive, insistent concern for love for strangers, strong toward it. It's not just like I am mean, practicing I mean, piano practice or something and making my mistakes. It means really getting after it, pursuing hospitality, and that. There, it demands a special effort. That's what I want you to pick up on, because when I get through with us this morning, when we go through this hospitality, probably maybe the wives might tend to feel the brunt of it. So, oh me, he's going to say we got to cook more meals, uh-uh. <laughs> we got to bring more food to the to the to the carry-in dinners and so forth. Uh, we're going to have to expand our understanding of hospitality. I hope that this passage will do that. So. So ladies, we're not picking on you. So it's like the men can just show up and eat and uh, that, that sort of thing. No. So he says practicing hospitality and pursuing it. It's like a chase. It's like a hunt. It demands special effort. Now, if you've got that in mind, now let's go back to the text or to these, the breakout statements and let's examine them. I want to make two statements here before we get into the first one you have in your bulletin. I want to make two statements. First of all, if you, we've looked at the text and we see that we have, we have to fellowship with, participate in the needs of saints. The needs are material ones, food, clothing, shelter. But there are also there are two things that are intertwined in this passage, financial needs and, as well as material help that's involved and we are to remember i hope this will come out i'm going to i hope i won't uh, be given oversight on this that we lay up treasures in heaven by giving matthew six nineteen and 21 and this is the biblical roots for giving is the sense of needs of others and giving all right a couple of things so love and hospitality are connected. Did you get this? We go back to the passage verse 9. And that we are to be loving in all our deeds. And so all the streams of truth in Romans 12, 1 through 12. You just look down at it. We thank you for the reading that uh, David, you I was going to conclude that in the reading this morning, Then I was, as we were saying, well I don't need to include that, we just did it. And that uh, I beseech you, therefore, but by the mercies of God, you present your bodies as a living sacrifice and so on. All right. That's the headwaters and it flows all the way down to verse 12 into verse 13. And so all, it flows into the river of hospitality. So hospitality is not an add-on. Like, hey, really, take your church fellowship times up a notch. <laughs> uh, okay. If you'll think a little more deeply about that, that, that will work. But, Here we are with hospitality and love. It's the way to express it. And another thing before we get into it, you've got to appreciate first century situation, the circumstances, the culture, first century. Christians moved around a lot in the first century. Well, that'd be, they didn't have Southwest Airlines, they didn't have Delta, they didn't have an airport 20 minutes from away where you could go anywhere in the Mediterranean world in just a matter of a few hours. Didn't have any of that. What they have? You go down to the, you go down to the uh, to the dock and you get on a boat and you you get out into waters. It could be a little treacherous and you you know you read those stories about the Apostle Paul who went around. And you think, well, that was just that was nice. He just had a kind of a guided tour. I've, I've been on those tours. I've had my share of them, and they're relatively easy when I mean, you look at everything. You okay? Can't, can't go there. But listen, when they moved around, I'll give you an example. You remember Aquila and Priscilla? Those two names, uh, they're, they're mentioned often. They moved from Rome to Corinth, from Ephesus, back to Rome, and then to Ephesus. Listen, they didn't have a U-Haul van come back up to their house, and, every, and some big strong guys uh, come by and take all the furniture and put it in there, and they just show up at the house and it's all put in place. No. It, it was some sacrifice moving around the way they did. And I'll tell you this too, I've known just from reading a little bit of history of the first century and the culture, the places that you stayed, they were not Hampton Inns. They weren't uh, all the, the motel places that we have. They Actually, they were some of the places, how should I say it delicately? They were places of ill repute where you could get a meal there. And, uh, and Christians out and they weren't known for that they didn't have a health department to come by and check the places out make sure there weren't any bed bugs and what have you so Christians traveled around for various reasons they were persecuted for one thing and they, had, they, they moved about and what, what did it do and the moving about did the work of or presented the problem of where we're going to stay well guess what there was a network, a network of places where they could stay. It was almost like they had their own gr- green book. You know about the green book? Okay, well, there was a movie by that name. Roger knows what that movie is about. And uh, the, it's where it was a book that was distributed in the African-American community back in segregation days where you could find a place to stay. And it was not easy, so you had to have this little book that would help you White folks didn't think about that. You just could go. Yeah, yeah, Howard Johnson's or whatever back in the day. And you could go anywhere and you weren't limited. Okay, just keep this in mind that Christians looked out for one another in the first century. They were the motels. They were the places where you come. We got a place. We got a prophet's chamber. That's what they used to call those places. We've got an extra place for you. Now, are we packed up and ready to go to hospitality? Okay, I want to be sure that... Uh, you're, you're prepared now to move through. What, let's, let's just wash ourselves down with this truth because I'm saying it again. Love that flows down through this passage, love flows right into all these little rivulets, streams flow into this river of hospitality. All right, number one, what is it? That's what I attempt to say here. Hospitality is the extension of welcome, food, shelter, and help of various kinds to guests in the home or church. It's opening up one's eyes and life to the benevolent treatment of those outside our normal circle of family and friends. you you see that? Do you see what? Opening up our eyes, becoming aware that having your eyes of your heart enlightened, this is it, that you say, oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, this is bigger than what I thought. Oh, I have really put some limitations on myself. Oh, I've not had good attitudes about this. Oh, we don't have a place that can accommodate anybody. Oh, I'm not a good cook. That's embarrassing. Oh, I just want to take all the O's out and say, listen, that begin to think creatively how we therefore can enter into ministry on behalf of Christ, be his presence in this work of hospitality. It's a form of giving. And it's, um, it, it, God's our model on this. Did you, did you pick that up in Psalm 23, 5? He prepares a table before, in the presence of our enemies. Did you pick? God is the ultimate host. <laughs> the ultimate in example of hospitality. And so there is our starting place. God in his hospitality, to, has he ever been generous to us in many, many, many ways? Let's take the second thought. Hospitality is the responsibility of all Christians regardless of their spiritual gifts. Now, why do you need to say that? I, there could be a unionist attitude that could seep into our Christian worldview. Well, I've got this gift of teaching. And it requires a lot of reading and study. I just don't have time for a lot of opening a house up to be the chatterbox cafe. I just can't. We can't do that. No, it's to be pursued. That's what he said in 1 Peter in chapter 4 and verse 19, verse 9. Well, that means we have to think about it. We have to plan for it. We have to pray, uh, uh, prepare for it, pray about it, seek opportunities to do it. So let's be sure that we're not limiting ourselves. It's not just having somebody over for another meal, though that can be a fine thing. But what is it? It can be, well, what kind of a hobby you have or hobbies, interests, those kinds of things. And so, you know, our world, though it likes to congratulate itself, a lot, especially some, some uh, industries. Hollywood, for example, they really love self-congratulatory and invite everybody to watch and brag about themselves, but our world puts a lot of attention on self, fulfilling one's uh, desires and interests. But let's not be conformed to the world and close ourselves in. And I, I came across something. I put it on a poster and stuck it here so I would see it like that thing you have to do and this this rang a bell with me since i'm not of the listen i was born we were many of us was born in the radio age and the radio was just coming into themselves now look where we are now in the digital world and think of how the twitterverse has impacted christians in their connections with one another and families the twitterverse and so that you can go out there on in the twitter world uh, I occasionally see what people say in it. I don't have time to get into throwing out the next pearl of wisdom to whoever may hate it. Uh, uh, that, uh, but, but you have opinions without accountability. It, it's, it's all over the place. And you get the substitution of social media. I'm reading, a, and I heard someone say this, substitution of social media for gathered personal conversation with family and friends. Instead of Bible studies in homes where there are meals and people talk about truth, you got all this, uh, this. Uh, uh, well, I, I, I'm not being critical of, you know, texting and Facebook and all those things, TikTok if you dare, and Instagram and you name it. But I'm just saying we, we ought to have to step back. Remember the word pursue? All oh, right, I think, am I allowing those things to enter in? To interfere with my connections with others. All right, let's let's get back to the main road. Let's look at the third f- feature of hospitality. Hospitality is the outward expression of a spiritual reality. What is that spiritual reality? That's we have body sharing the life of Christ. We're a body. We're one. We're connected. We really go countercultural here and. There is an element of individuality in, our, in the West that can be unhealthy. Now, it's not all bad, but there's a danger. We are one in Christ. We're connected. We're related to one another. And this unity that we have in Christ, it's, ex, it's, it's expressed in kindness, generosity. And hospitality actually fuels the flames of love. And all in the church, local assembly, are to be hospitable to one another, sharing the life of the church together. So it, hospitality on Sunday. Thank you, Sheila, for getting us downstairs, and we have a few little knickknacks there. okay, that that counts for something. Have good conversations that's That's part of it. It is. And so here's where we go then, that what hospitality does. It's a witness to the reality of God's love in our hearts. That's what it's to do. It's the way in which the presence of Christ can be seen, experienced by fellow believers and those outside of Christ. They look on and say, by this will all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. Well, how would they know that? Just because you get together and have group hugs? Uh, Hugging is not a substitute for... uh, in the trenches feet on the ground making way figuring out ways that you could be hospitable with what resources god's given to you all right so said let's go to the next number 4 hospitality provides the opportunity to extend kindness to god's servants now i read a couple of passages in the opening uh, scripture reading in matthew 10:40 and in matthew 25:40 you know what was uh, what was going on in the context of those verses? When Jesus sent his disciples out, they were, and as they went out, they were going to be taken care of by towns, villages, family, friends. There was to be hospitality that made it possible for them to go from one place to another. He even said, and when they receive you, and they... they Hello, who is it? Oh, uh, Mary, Jesus is at the front door. Well, oh, I thought he had ascended to heaven. He has. He's not at the front door, but he is. So we can, we can have the presence of Christ. And we, what we do for others, we're doing it for Christ. For you, As we look out after his fellow servants, fellow believers. I don't know if I'm going to get to it, but I better chase the thought while it runs across my mind. He even says that when it was in the Hebrews passage, you know, you may have very well have entertained an angel, entertained an angel unaware. Minds us of Abraham. We will get some of those. So let's get on with this. He says, "I'm saying that this is showing God's servants; it's showing them kindness, it's love in action, and I." i remember one occasion i i I thought about i don't want too much self-referencing in this thing but i thought i can't vouch for the ways that other people have hospitality but yes i can i remember this came up years ago we were reminded of this by a friend just the other day i was with a group of people traveling to i think we may have been on our way to india it was one of those round the world kind of things and you know when you do international travel and you land in a strange airport and you don't you don't know where, where to go. What, what, when I get the next flight, is this one going to go? Oh, do I have to change flights Or what I do? What's that sign say? I can't understand it. And you, you get into all kinds of circumstances. How much time do I have? What do I have to allow for? Can I get something to eat here? I recall that our group, we came into the airport. It was in Switzerland. And a lady who was very active in the Fellowship of Christian Airline Personnel, she met us I, and when my friend mentioned this the other day said yeah i remember her i mean that had to be 35 40 years ago and she met she was standing at the airport when we landed and all these people were in, the, in our group going that standing around well we're going and so here she steps forward and she i knew her and she began to immediately she was a flight attendant and then she put herself there to help us she knew we were coming is that hospitality? Just showing up at a place and helping someone in an awkward situation and help them feel a little more comfortable and giving them instructions. See, hospitality just breaks out in a lot of ways. It may seem like just a little tiny thing, but oh, I remember that lady's name. She's still living. Thank God for her. She was so helpful. All right, number five, Hospita- Oh me, here's one of those uh oh's. Hospitality can be neglected. Hebrews 13.2. 13.2, it can be neglected. Don't neglect it. We can get preoccupied with our own problems and trials. You know, you get into problems of sickness and bad health, and it can begin to limit, and you have to alter what you do and learn how to redo things. Some uh, We've got friends whose uh, surgeries and whose... Uh, just aging process or whatever is happening, it happened with young people as well, that uh, it it alters your um, physical nimbleness and stamina and such as that. So just don't make excuses. They're too easy to come by anyway. And so be careful. And we can fail to participate in the life of the church. You know, life in the church opens up all kinds of doors of thought. You say that the eyes of your heart will become enlightened. You know one way it can be? Being in the assembly and talking with others. And you may be in a conversation with somebody and you might hear something someone else is saying and then a little light bulb will come on. Oh, I think I just heard about a need. I didn't know that existed. It can come up in all kind of providential ways that you find out about people and situations that can help you and to, to move on that. So participating in the life of church, and what's been so encouraging in some the difficult days in, in our own church uh, is that the way people have stepped forward and filled in gaps and doing multiple things. I thanked one person this morning. It came to my mind when I woke up this morning. I need to say something to that person that really helped us. And actually, we've been the beneficiaries of two acts of hospitality within the last 24 hours, just conspicuously so. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And with that, we want to be reminded of and spur us on to hospitality. And I would have to add this this can be a detriment to uh, hospitality. We can take ourselves out of the game, as it were, by being ashamed of our home, our furniture, our neighborhood. Get over that. get over that um, that should not become something. find ways to it's about people not the impression that I'm making on people with what I have and what I and what I don't have selfishness can hinder hospitality and uh, I can I know of situations oh, shucks this is a self-referencing thing I apologize but I can remember Beth scampering around our place in our mobile home in Indiana many years ago and we had guests and we had some groceries. We had groceries for us. When they left, we didn't have any groceries. <laughs> Beth didn't complain. She just pulled out another can of beans. And, uh, well, we don't have to live that way any longer. But it does come back to remind me that whatever it takes and, and to do it. But we don't want to limit ourselves by thinking what we don't have. Think of what we do have and what we can share. And... Number six, hospitality. Hospitality can be tarnished by carrying it out with the wrong attitude. Uh, yeah, can be complainers. You you heard the passage I read. Which one was it? it says uh, to be hospitable, hospitable, without grumbling, and just oh, my, here we go. Well, I know, I know, we need to do it, but this is this is a lot of trouble. Uh, um, Think of all the work we got to do to clean up, get ready, you know, to, and all of that. Uh, and so, Lord, help me here. I'm not going into this with the best of attitudes. Maybe you need that verse memorized. I, I found that helpful. I've got, I got a list of verses, and uh, I, I just call up a verse in, in situations that helps me <laughs> and uh, complaints. And hospitality is to be pursued gladly. So, you say, may your prayers, Lord enlightening the eyes of my heart on the hope that I have the riches of the inheritance that I have and the power of transformed life Lord I don't want to go out of this life being remembered as being a grump a complainer and grumbling all the time I want to be the could, Lord could you keep I want to keep that off my tombstone oh, sure surely that wouldn't happen but uh, uh, rejoicing in hope number seven Hospitality is one of the requirements for leaders in the local church. Did you pick that one up in 1 Timothy 3 two? When you choose elders, they're going to have to be hospital. You don't want... If, listen, if you had five hermits for a, an elder board, you're in trouble. <laughs> some deep weeds. And elders have got to have ways and how they can open up their lives, their home, their resources to others. So how important that is. Number eight, hospitality is not to become the occasion for compromise with false teaching. And Christians who refuse to repent after being warned and counseled. Had you thought of that one? There's a reminder of that in 2 John 10. Because in the first century, you could have people who would show up and they still do it today, though they do it by other means, but they went from town to town and even could infiltrate churches and present themselves as uh, gospel people, an evangelist, or a traveling teacher, or maybe even a prophet, you know, some title, and they can come in and just use people. Now they do it by television. Send your money to me so I can be a millionaire and God will bless you for that seed money that you're going to get. Seed money, seed money. I get the seed and you won't get any money. And that's what will happen. So they had the same, we have the same kind of be, be careful. Don't take in believers under church discipline comes in. And what do you do when somebody's under church discipline? You witness to them. If you do have social events with them, you know you're not there just to talk about the weather and sports and the stock market and your job and the condition of your automobile, okay, fine, you've got to have a little context for conversation. But when you've got someone over to the house and you know that there's some issues, you say, Lord, give wisdom. How can we, may not be under strict church discipline, but maybe it's somebody who is really climbing up fool's hill and you know it, but you're not there to slam them. You're there to love them and talk to them and listen to them. That, that's important. I wanted to throw, add that on. Number nine, hospitality is exemplified by a great cloud of witnesses. It's exemplified by a great cloud of witnesses. Do I need to take you through the wax museum? <laughs> well, look over here. Here's Abraham. You remember his story? Guess who shows up at his house? A couple of angels and Jesus himself on their way to Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> check it out and uh, that's an interesting he says Sarah get somebody to go in there and you know kill one of the kill one of the new goats or one of the sheep killed we got to have some meat you know had to make food they couldn't just run down to Publix down the street and get a a prefab meal they had to get work it was a lot of work but but they they did that bake some bread and take and take care of them Abraham and Sarah did it Uh, oh if you want, I've got a long list here. i got to be short on it. But I came, the consummate, the consummate hospitaler. Uh, by the way, you know the word hospital? Side note, no extra charge. Look at the words in the dictionary that have a base on this word hospitality, hospital, hospice, hospice. Uh, what was that? There's one in the Catholic Church. They have the hospitalers. And these were people, it was formed in one of the Crusades when the. When the Crusaders got into Jerusalem and they needed all kinds of physical help, they started out with these. They they had a special group devoted to it. Okay, off my point. The point is is that this thing really seeped out into the church and into society. You know why we have hospitals in our nation? The secularists didn't start them. Uh. Uh-uh. Now they take They take them over. They take them over and change their their goals and their values. But as Christians. Christians. And so point is I'd get off on that. Jesus was the ultimate hostess. Thousands of people. Thousands. I just read this the other day in one of the gospels. And the disciples said, What are we gonna do? We got four or five thousand people, maybe up to ten thousand people here, and they've they've been so eager to hear you teach and miracles to be performed. Now, they are miles away from any kind of food source. And what are you going to do? Just say, I'll take care of that. You just get everybody get, organizing, get them seated nice. And what do we got? We got five loaves, a little flat bread, unleavened bread, a couple of fish, baked fish. Smell that fish, smell that bread. Okay. That's so all you got. It's not a bad lunch. And guess what? Everybody ate. Wouldn't you like to? You had the disciples had to be watching his fingers, his hands. What's going on here? And we end up with all these baskets extra. I just want to say Jesus was a lovely, and beautiful example. I think those are not the only time he did that sort of thing. They're just recorded two, what two or three are recorded in the Gospels. But he was hospitable in a number of ways, healing the sick. And responding to people who are into, in in dire straits, in need, oh, what an example! I'm, I, I need to add one more, one more, and then conclude. It would be this: hospitality may take a variety of forms, depending on one's circumstances and resources. Both the heart that is moved by God's love for people, but the heart, excuse me, that's moved by God's love for God for people will find ways to reach out and extend a place of comfort and encouragement to others um, you ought to almost have kind of a little hospitality committee or something People who, there's some people who are really good at it and maybe they can help stimulate others and just get together and think how can the church be more hospitable or how can families be more hospitable now I want to conclude with this okay Let's get the eye chart out. Ready? We're going to the eye doctor now. Um, How are the eyes of our heart open with regard to hospitality? Let me throw out a couple of ways. This is the eye chart. Hospitality has a gift, excuse me, has an eye upon those who need Christ. The means of evangelism. My unsaved friends in the neighborhood family, friends that hospitality is the way to look out to those who need Christ we need to do more of that, it's not easy especially in our day, people are so suspicious people drive into their homes the garage door comes down, they turn on their TVs, you never see them Lord help us, got to find ways to break down those barriers I don't have all the answers <laughs> I, I just know that there's the need Hospitality looks out see my verb, hear my verb, looks out for the needy, poor and sick, immigrants, international students. Oh we've had we had contact connection with them. Well, rethink that, revisit it. Um, new Babes in Christ, singles, singles. You know, sometimes singles can be really lonely people in a church. Get off family life, family circles, single person or widow, uh, that, that kind of thing. So maybe how could, I, how could they be encouraged? Help. Thirdly, hospitality looks, hear my verb? This is the out chart. Hospitality looks at the things that are Eternal. This is the hope issue. This is going to count forever. This is not just a temporary kind of, of activity. It has impact for, for on it goes in throughout eternity. Four, hospitality sees the gathered church as an opportunity to express God's presence among us how do people who come into the church experience hospitality at the doors that's one way and just helping people sitting with them sometimes we have to see change our city uh seating location just maybe someone needs just a little bit more they like to have somebody with them to talk to not let them go off by themselves if you walk into a room and you see all the tables are filled up and you see one family over at another table and nobody's there, uh-oh. Um, okay, just trying to stir the pot here to think about those things. And then hospitality will be the basis for our judgment of the last day. And that when you've done it under one of these, the least of these you've done unto me. Oh, let me clear up something quickly. I, allow me. That passage in Matthew 25, I think it's verse 40, it is so taken out of context. It has been kidnapped and it has been abused. The, doing it unto the least of these is not anybody everywhere. You know what that context is? Doing it for God's servants who are moving about who need encouragement and help. Fellow Christians, fellow Christians, we do good to all people, but especially those of the household of faith. And we don't, don't want to forget that. And there is going, that's taken into account. For our judgment, we stand before the Lord. Oh, Lord, give us the grace to be people who would buy our lives and our homes and our gifts and our talents and our resources, our hobbies, uh, whatever we have, not what we don't have. How can I be used more effectively for you to touch other lives for Jesus Christ? I need this. Do you... Let's pray. Let's pray together about this. Oh Lord, our God, thank you for your being the absolute wonderful host. Thank you, Lord, that Lord you have done so much for us in Christ. Oh, indeed, you have reaching down and saving us. Oh, what would we? Where would we have gone, and what we would we have done? And how would we have royally messed our lives up if you had not brought grace to us in Christ? Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for picking us up, dusting us off, tending to our wounds, wiping our noses, <laughs> being so gentle and kind and patient with us when we've messed up. And you've been, you've been a wonderful host, Lord. And thank you, Father, for the greatest gift of all you've given us, Jesus Christ loved us, bled died, was hurt was beaten ridiculed, mocked savaged, rejected discounted considered not worth anything and here he was, the king of the universe. Thank you, Lord thank you for being so generous to us, so hospitable to us. May we Give us the grace to go and do likewise in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We should sing.